I want to say once again what a great thing it is to welcome new members. Those of you who have joined us have become a part of a complex community with many dimensions to it, and your presence nourishes our sense of hope as well. I want you to know that. I sometimes like to tell the new members a couple of UU jokes. It's part of your initiation to learn these two jokes. But then there will be advanced jokes too, but they will come later. These are introductory. So the first one is that some Unitarian Universalists die and go to heaven, and when they get to the pearly gates, there's a sign there, and the sign says, this way, heaven, and this way, discussion about heaven. <laughs> the UUs go that way. And the other joke, well, it's not exactly a joke, it's a saying, you know, we're uh, a movement composed of two different movements, the Unitarians and the Universalists, and they're somewhat different. And so they got together in 1961, and the saying about the Unitarians and the Universalists is that the Universalists believe that God is too good, too loving to damn them to hell, and the Unitarians believe that they're too good for God to damn them to hell. Okay, in future sermons, I will do some of the more advanced jokes. But seriously, folks, I want to tell you about a study that recently came out. It's on CNN's website right now, as a matter of fact. But it's not the only study of its kind. And it's a study that says that people who attend church regularly live longer than people who do not attend church regularly. Now, of course, this is not the final word on the subject, but it's a study. But there have been a bunch of these, actually, that show, uh, or at least indicate, that people who belong to religious communities and attend regularly have increased longevity. So I want to congratulate you again, those. Uh, Dr. Daniel Hall, a physician at the University of Pittsburgh, says there is something about being rooted in a religious community that is associated with mediating a positive health effect and a substantially longer life expectancy. So I'm sure he's not the final word on this subject, but certainly is an interesting finding. There is a brand new study out of 75,000 middle-aged female nurses, it's called the Nurses' Health Study, and they found that women who attended religious services regularly had lower rates of death during the study period. They also had higher rates of social support and of optimism and lower rates of depression. And the level of activity was also a factor. So higher church attendance correlated with increased benefits, but even if you only come like once a month, I'm not saying anyone in our church would do that, but if there were some people, then the benefits would still be there, but not so strikingly. And that's the finding of these studies. There's a bunch of them out there, so you can Google this if you want to. 
uh, re- church, church attendance, and longevity is what I Googled. So try that if you want to, but not during the sermon, please. So why would belonging to a religious community have positive benefits? So as far as I know, there's no evidence that a particular belief system has increased benefits. As a matter of fact, the studies studied a wide variety, they were mostly churches, but a wide variety, Catholic and Protestant and different denominations. So I'm going to hazard a guess, at least for this morning, that it has to do with belonging to a caring community and to a community with a sense of meaning and purpose. So I'm proposing that hypothesis that that's what has the benefit. And indeed, who wouldn't want to be part of a community that offers genuine caring and that encourages authentic reflection on the big issues of life and gathers together to laugh and to cry, to sing together, and just enjoy life together, just have fun sometimes. Who would not want to be part of such a community? So I don't know about you, but even without conclusive evidence, these qualities really match up well with what I want from a community. Now one researcher said that the benefits of going to church are worthwhile and they even outweigh the possible negatives of church attendance like increased guilt and intolerance. How's that for a finding? So even if the community causes guilt and intolerance, the benefits will outweigh, but what if there were a community that did not emphasize guilt and intolerance? Could we find such a place? Maybe if we all go looking together, we'll find it. That sounds very hopeful indeed. I don't want to waste time pretending that we UUs are better than other people. We are susceptible to all of the same human foibles as everyone else on the planet. And evidently, we are not the most highly attended or popular church even in the United States. As a matter of fact, if you do one of those pie charts, our sliver is invisible. That's our percentage, it's invisible. Or it's part of that little sliver called other. Well, we are other, I guess. But we do have certain qualities and certain traditions that are hopeful and in my view, seem to support the kind of cultural evolution that humanity needs at this stage of human history. I really think that's true. We have certain qualities that are useful to humanity at this time in history. First of all, we have this characteristic of not having a specific set of words that we claim states a final or absolute truth. We don't have a set of words like that. We don't have a creed. We're called a creedless church. Now at first glance, it might seem that that's a defect. Or it's like when you buy something from uh, a store and you have to assemble it and there's a part missing. Oh, they didn't include the creed. 
But actually, we see this absence of a creed or a single statement as a strength. And it's intentional. It's not because a part was left out of the box. Our tradition doesn't think that anyone can speak the perfect words about reality that will last forever and just get it right on the button so that it doesn't need to be ever changed. We don't think that human experience is that simple. And so in our traditional view, words are just not that precise. Words are always imprecise. And experience is too rich and too subtle and too dynamic to fit any final statement. So at least that's our UU tradition, and that's why we don't have a set of words. We have a lot of words, but not one fixed set. My colleague, Tony Larson, who's the minister in Racine, Wisconsin, uh, said that somebody, somebody told him that UUs don't have any beliefs. And Reverend Larson's response was, we have more beliefs than anyone. Because everybody's got a whole bunch of beliefs. So it's a kind of silly way of making the same point. And so there is this wonderful openness about our faith that engenders a sense of welcome and creativity. We're interested in hearing different points of view and different ideas. And it's not that other faiths don't have an interest in that. They do. It's obvious that they do. But we have put kind of a special emphasis on that by not having a creed. We are an evolving path. We have what I, every time we have Jazz Sunday, I think we have an improvisational theology. We have an improvisational theology. And you know, jazz, jazz doesn't throw away the old themes. Jazz has great respect for the standards and the old themes. And when you hear a typical jazz piece with a theme like that, you hear them play the theme just straight up. Just they play that melody, that melody is honored. It's, where, it's the source of what's going to come. And then they just take off. And quite often at the end, they come back and play that melody one more time, you see. So it's not a discarding of the old themes. It's just taking the old theme and improvising. And so once upon a time, I gave a sermon called Jazz Theology. And I might do that again sometime, because I think that is such a good metaphor. So this is a place where we can do our spiritual seeking with friends and without judgment. So we do try to leave behind the guilt and the intolerance as much as we can. Not that we are perfect about that, but we do try to do that. And our universalist heritage adds this welcoming stance to our movement. And I want to tell you, we have one explicit piece of theology that we affirm. And I'm going to tell you, there's one theological statement that we make in this church. You can disagree with it, but it's our official position that there is no hell. See, that's a theological statement of universalism. Now, if you believe in hell, then come and have a cookie too, you know? I mean, that's all right. That's all right. But it's our tradition 
in a broader sense, it's our tradition that everyone is accepted. You see, that's the way we understand that. It's not so much a statement uh, of literal uh, meaning about the afterlife, although that's a fascinating question too, but it's a statement of welcoming. It means that we're not in the business of rejecting. We're just not in that business. We are not in the business of cutting off anyone and saying that soul is going off to some place that's very, very unattractive. We're in the business of including and loving. And so that is a piece of our background that I, fe- I think affects the character of this church, is that we want to be welcoming and inclusive, and we want to love everyone. And that's not an easy thing to do, because there's some people who are just too irritating to love. <laughs> I almost want to ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Because I don't want to divide us into the people who have people who are too irritating. Do you know there are two kinds of people in the world? There are the people who divide the world into two kinds of people and the people who don't. We are the people who don't. (laughs) And those others, they've got it wrong. Do you see how, why you can't have a creed? Do you see what the problem is here? You can't say it. You can't say it. The Tao Te Ching says if you say it, it's already wrong. Because you can't say it. Okay. But this is a church where we want to have this attitude of love, and we don't want to be about threats or punishment. We want to be about love. And so we welcome all without thinking that any group is damned, not for their religion or their race or their belief or their sexual orientation or their gender identity or any other category that we put our brothers and sisters and and we don't want to put anybody in those kind of categories and say these are the good categories and these are the bad. We're not in that business. It is not that we perfectly live up to this ideal. That's not the, we don't perfectly live up to this ideal. And we are not the only ones striving for this ideal either. We should not make that mistake. That's not true either. There are lots of other people striving for this. If that were not true, we would be in terrible trouble. If we were the only ones striving for these ideals, it would be the worst news we could have. Our ship would be sunk because there's not enough of us to do this. We have to be in it with everyone else who has that goodwill. So these are the pieces of our tradition that we lift up. We aspire to be an open-minded, loving, inclusive, searching, creative, justice-seeking people. That's the path we're on. The research on church attendance does not say that only UUs live three years longer. How could they even find 75,000 UU nurses to study? Not likely. I know four or five in this church, but that's not 75,000. Regardless of theology, there is just something about being in a community that is a healing thing. There is something about that. A number of years ago, we had a church softball team. I want new members to pay close attention now. 
I have an announcement to make in a few minutes. We had a church softball team called the UU Cubs, C-U-U-B-S. Now, I want to state publicly that I did not choose that name. <laughs> Even though people know I'm a Cubs fan, I did not, somebody else chose that name, and that's how it got to be the UU Cubs. And we played in a Peoria Park District co-ed league, and there were good teams in this league. I mean, people who really played softball. And, you know, they... they they hit the ball a long way. And we played for seven years. And in those seven years, we won seven games. <laughs> I just want you to know that. We won seven games. I don't think we won any games the first year, but we picked up speed later on. <laughs> you guys think this is funny. <laughs> this is serious. I can tell you that after every game, we went out and celebrated. Every game. It didn't matter whether we won or lost, or lost 35 to 2, or 7 to 6. We went out and celebrated both the victories and the defeats. We had fun either way. We truly did. We still had the joy of being a team together. We enjoyed that. We enjoyed giving people a high five, you know, and, and having some pizza and soda and beer and sitting around and talking about the highlights and the lowlights of the game. I can tell you stories about the softball team that will bring tears to your eyes. <laughs> we like the fun of the game, but it's also something more than that. It's, it's being a team. It's experiencing a sense of common purpose and experiencing a sense of camaraderie together and supporting each other and forgiving the mistakes. When that pop-up on the infield is coming straight down and you see your teammate, you know, kind of shuffling around and then it lands right next to them. <laughs> see? That's a moment of truth. Do you believe in hell or are you a universalist, see? That's the moment. See, if you're a universalist, you've got to say, nice try. You know? Boy, you, you, know, you almost had it. That was great. That was closer than the last time. No, you don't say that. <laughs> it says in our covenant, we forgive easily. That's in the covenant. We forgive easily. We encourage each other. We're on the same team. That's, that's the idea of that. These wonderful people, Norma and Nora and others who are working on this pledge campaign, they're like the parents out raising money for the kids to get those uniforms. That part, that's part of the love. That's part of the love when we go out and get the money for the uniforms. So this is a kind of sacred work to do this pledge work. And I have such great appreciation for the people who are doing that because that's creating the team. That allows the team to exist. And without that work going on behind the scenes, you don't get to have that fun. You don't get to have the cool hats. And you don't get to go out afterwards unless there's some support so those people who do that kind of work, and as we raise those funds, that's, that's the work of the team. That creates the team and sustains it.
And so that, that takes that sort of mundane part of the world and it elevates it to something with a high purpose. We're going to create a community and we're going to sustain it. And we're going to do it by our generosity and our gifts. So that is a powerful thing. And I salute those people. And everyone who, I see others around here too who have done that work on the pledge drive and I just, and everyone who's contributed. So this is part of what a team does, is it does the work to sustain itself. That's a powerful thing. These people are holding the door open for us so that we can step into the community. They're doing that kind of work. If the research is right, they're helping us live three years longer, maybe. That's a nice thing. So we need to heed their call. What a great opportunity for us to support a community of meaning and purpose and, and love. Something we all deeply need. Now, on the topic of inclusiveness, I want to propose that we need to have a new softball team. I am making that proposal. And it's got to be some younger people, I just want to say that. Because those of us who played before, our bodies are not at that particular part of human development. We're in, a, we're in the wisdom stage. Or, but it's going to have to be some younger people. So I just want you younger people to realize that I'm serious about this. And I do not want to be biased about this. It doesn't have to be a Cubs-oriented name. As a matter of fact, we like to take words and put UU in them. So if you took, say, cards, and you took the A out and put the UU, then you'd have curds. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's it. I don't know. I'm not saying that should be the name. But I'm saying that it has to be inclusive. So we have to, as it were, cover all the bases. I think that's a good baseball metaphor. But I am just saying that we need a softball team. I'm just pointing that out, okay? This past week, we saw a really glorious example of teamwork and coming together for common purpose when some of us were at the Civic Center last Monday night for an interfaith event centered around the problem of Islamophobia. And we saw people of all faiths come together. And you could see how in every faith there is this ideal of love and equality and justice. You can see that it's there. And so we saw people gather together and say, we have a common purpose. And it crosses over all the lines. Ultimately, it has to cross over all the lines. That's the way humanity is going to make it on this planet if we're going to do it. There won't be any, I don't know any other path other than finding a common sense of being a team across all those lines. At least enough so we don't start bombing at each other. At least that much. So for one night, we could all feel that we're on the same team or at least much closer to that ideal than, than we usually experience. And this is part of our Unitarian Universalist vision as well, that we're one of many movements all over this planet working for peace and understanding and nonviolent solutions. We are a distinctive group, 
And we have our own qualities and our own traditions and our own stories and ideals. And I do believe we have a gift to share with the world because we have a point of view that can span many differences. And so we, if we can share that skill, then we can make a special contribution to the world. We do not have to think alike to love alike. That is, quotation is from a Unitarian minister 500 years ago named Francis David, and somebody wrote an, a letter to the editor just the other day from whose name I did not recognize who used that same thought. We need not think alike to love alike. We don't have to agree with everyone. We can still be on the same team with those people for certain crucial issues like peace on earth. We can work out our differences in peace. The 20th century universalist Kenneth Patton wrote, it is good to be with one another. The benefits and healing of being together in community run deep into our bodies and minds and hearts. It's a great thing to be in a genuine community. It is not found every day. It adds to life in myriad ways. So let us cherish this opportunity and support it with our time and talent and treasure. And let us give thanks for our good fortune to be here together. By joining together to explore life's questions, laugh and cry together and work for a better world, we strengthen our lives and the lives of our neighbors as well. This is a caravan worthy of joining. New members, welcome. You made a good decision. Amen.